hold it. Okay, it's Kinnah Lamed Aleph, just to quickly summarize the Kinnah and then share some thoughts. Uh, this Kinnah contrasts uh, the miraculous times when we left Mitzrayim, the Geula of Mitzrayim, with the exile of Yerushalayim. And this Kinnah really marks a turning point in the Kinnahs that we say, that we go to the Kinnahs of Nechama, we go to the Kinnahs of Consolation, we look forward to the Geula, and that's when the last Pasuk that the Kinnah ends with, Right? That uh, at the end of days, the cast aside nation, the people, the nation that's the farthest from Hashem, is going to come to Eretz Yisrael singing and dancing. It's actually one of my favorite psukim uh, in Navi. That psuk. I wanted to read with everyone today. You know, Eretz Yisrael, it's, it's, it's a topic that's always on my heart. I feel that there's only a few minutes together, and I feel that I could speak about the Indian of Eretz Yisrael, the Kedushas Eretz Yisrael, the Psukim of Eretz Yisrael. I feel that a few minutes certainly doesn't do justice. It's unfortunate in many ways that we only focus on the top of Eretz Yisrael, really on Tisha B'Av in the three weeks, but the Indian of Eretz Yisrael, as Rabbi Soroka was quoting so many beautiful Sukkim before, is really all year round. It's every day, it's every moment of our lives. It's involved in everything that we do. And I often wonder, have we divorced, have we divorced the centrality of Eretz Yisrael from the Torah? Like a tree with its branches. Eretz Yisrael is the tree. It's the Torah itself. It's not an anaf min a Torah. It's not an offshoot from the Torah. It's not just another mitzvah in the Torah, but it's really, really the Torah itself. And the entire Torah starts, it starts with Bereshis, right? What's Bereshis? Hashem wanted to give us a claim to the land, so people shouldn't say we stole it. Very relevant to nowadays. And it ends, Ve'enei kol Yisrael, Moshe wants to go to Eretz Yisrael, and Kamat, the entire Tanakh is, we're on the land, we're off the land, we're on the land, we're back off the land. Baruch Hashem, nowadays we're going back on the land. That's the entire Tanakh, just in a few sentences. I wanted to read with everyone a little bit on Rav Schwab's parish. It's beautiful. I saw this a few weeks ago in my shir on Sefer Ezra. And he, he writes something here so profound, just a little bit of a, a little bit of, I guess, Hakdama introduction to Sefer Ezra, that uh, basically Koresh, the Persian government, they gave the Jews in between bias. Rishon and Bayashani, 70 years later, they gave the Jews permission to return back to Eretz Yisrael. They paid them a stipend, much like nowadays. If you want to go, you get your plane tickets paid for. The government gives you salklita. It gives you money. They opened up roads. They said, any Jew who wants to come, please come back. And not only that, we're putting Ezra in charge. Ezra's going to be the royal magistrate. He's actually going to be able to choose matters of life and death. He was given total authority, and we know that Ezra was the one who established the Knesset Agadola, which was able to do this, and he really was the one, he set up the primary organization that set us up through Gullus now, in order for it to last. But Ezra, as we're going to see, was deeply disappointed in the Jewish people at that time. What happened? If you learn, say, for Ezra, it says only about 42,000 people came with Ezra. There were three Aliyahs at that time. There was Sheshbasar, there was a Zerubbabel, and the last and final one was Ezra. 
Ezra had stayed back to learn with his Rebbe, Baruch Benirya. That's really a separate story over here. And they, uh, the question is, is why didn't the Jews come back with Ezra? I mean, he was, he was deeply disturbed. He was deeply disappointed in this. And the Pesukim say over here, it says over here in Ezra chapter 7, verse 28. It says, Ezra was gathering everyone together. Vani his chazakti. I had, to, I had to strengthen myself. And Rav Schwab is writing on these words. Why did Ezra need to strengthen himself? Now again, no one wanted to come with Ezra. In fact, we all know the Mishnah, the Gemara and Kedushin, is directly referenced to Ezra because Ezra took all the psule yuchsin with him because no one wanted to go. It was kind of, quote unquote, the low lives, the bums, the outcasts, the duya Hashem. They're the only people who wanted to return and everyone else was fine was fine where they were. And we're going to see how Rav Schwab, in my opinion, and when I read this, it's, it's an amazing tragedy. And uh, obviously, you know, all the books of Nach, they're not just historical books. They're for us to learn from. They're not just given to learn history from. That means there's messages in every single book, even if it sounds historical, like Ezra, it's speaking to our everyday lives. It's speaking to us at all moments. So I'm just going to read a little bit. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but these are Rav Schwab's words because he could say it better than I could. Ezra used the word hischazakti, that he strengthened himself in the reflexive mode, conveys another deeper idea. Ezra had to summon all of his inner strength to overcome what turned out to be a great disappointment to him. As the leaders of the Jewish people and their officially sanctioned return to Eretz Yisrael, Ezra expected the entire nation, or at least the vast majority, to follow him, follow him and return to their homeland. However, most Jews were blasé about Korish's invitation and remained in their diaspora homes in Babel and elsewhere. This was undoubtedly a great disappointment and a source of frustration to Ezra. After all, the mightiest king in the world had invited the Jews to return to their homeland with full honors. Yet the majority of the Jews throughout the world did not respond to this invitation. Incredible, incredible, right? The mightiest king in the world opened up for Eretz Yisrael's return only 70 years later, right? Had returned and said, go. I'll pay you to go. I'll give you money to go. Go. You could go build the base of Migdash. Yet to Ezra's great disappointment, his great frustration, people didn't go with him. Sounds familiar. Sounds familiar, right? History repeats itself, as they say. Had the entire, and now listen to what he writes. Had the entire Jewish people, or the majority of them, heeded the call, this would have ushered in the Messianic era. Zerubbabel, the sign of the house of David, would have come, have become a Shiach, to which the Navi Chagai had alluded. It's interesting because, because a, uh, this is parenthetically, if you learn Chagai, how does Chagai open up? I don't expect people necessarily know unless they know. But how does Chagai open up? Hashem opens up to the Navi Chagai and says, Korish gave you permission to build a base Hamigdash. Why aren't you guys going? He gave you permission to return to land. Why are you waiting for me to speak through you? You have permission. You don't need me to tell you to go and do it. You should be doing this on your own. The borders are open. I've given you permission. I, you don't need a Nafua to tell me to, to tell you to go. This is something you should be doing. And unfortunately, the implication is, is that I have to tell you, Chagai the Navi, to go tell the people they should return back to Eretz Yisrael. So again, which the Navi Chagai had alluded. But tragically, this did not happen. And Ezra was deeply disappointed. Nevertheless, he accepted the reality of his mission 
and his, chasa, his chazakti, and he strengthened himself in it. This begs the question as to why the Jewish people did not respond in mass follow, and follow Ezra and his aliyah to Eretz Yisrael. After all, Yeshaya's nevuah had come true, and Ezra's personality was nearly as great as Moshe Rabbeinu. The simple reason was probably an economic one. During the 70 years of, the, uh, years in, of Gullah's bubble, the Jewish people had become quite comfortable in their new Gullah's homes, and many became very wealthy, right? How comfortable are we? New construction? New construction? You don't have to raise your hand. Are we planning in our minds? Are we making the same exact mistake that they did in the times of Ezra? Very comfortable in Bavel, wealthy, Parnassa, nice cars, beautiful leases. Baruch Hashem, it should continue, right? But it seems we're making, in many ways, the same mistake that they were making then. Rav Schwab goes on to give another reason. Besides for the comfortabilities that we live with. Most of the Jews of Bavel were quite content to let a few pioneers suffer hardships. Okay, skipping there. However, upon reflection, we suggest that the failure of the Jews to follow Ezra was not necessarily only a selfish one. He's going to move on to say that it wasn't only because they were comfortable. It wasn't only because they had nose. They had a shita. They had an opinion. They had an opinion. A deeply held false belief, as we'll see. It could have also been an ideological one, albeit misguided. The people had envisioned the messianic era as a time when the Jewish people would be independent of any other government or world power. A Jewish king would arise who would command the respect of the entire world as David and Shlomo had. One who would lead the Jewish people back to Eretz Yisrael, independent of any foreign sovereignty. Right? So they thought, wait a minute, it's not the times of Mashiach. We're under Persian rule. We're under Persian rule. It can't be. Right? They had an opinion because they were reliant on, fo on foreign political powers. This could not have been the time for Mashiach. And therefore, they deeply held their belief. They were waiting for someone like David and Shlomo to come. Ezra, although Chazal tell us he was as great as Moshe Rabbeinu, and he certainly could have gave the Torah had he preceded Moshe Rabbeinu. But yet, they still envisioned someone great. Someone, Ezra didn't fit their picture of the leader back. Ezra did not fit the description for them. In discussion about the Messianic era, the Gemara tells us, The Rambam considers this to be the final word on the, on the matter. For this reason, the Jewish people felt that there was, seemingly, this, there was seemingly a fly in the ointment at that time. A non-Jew, the Persian king Koresh, had initiated return and his successor's permission we needed, was needed to allow the Jewish people to complete the building of the Beis HaMikdash. Right? So they felt because they were still the Israeli government, or it wasn't called Israeli then at that time, was uh, reliant on political powers. It could not be the time for Mashiach. They felt that Ezra was not the one, and therefore, albeit in their comfortable homes, they enjoyed it. Right? And they did have someone telling them to go, yet they didn't heed the call. And these, are, these, these are Rav Schwab's words, not my words. But they were wrong, tragically wrong. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We see that, we see that they had an opinion, as many say today, many people. It seems, it seems not making judgment, these are my own personal opinions that people's minds have become polluted, our, our minds have become polluted, to deny the reality that's happening in front of us right now with a knock and a kick and a this and a that, because we're waiting for someone like David and Shlomo to lead us back. 
to lead us back into the land. Now, I know deep down, every single one of us, myself included, wants to return to Eretz Yisrael. And we think about that. We all want to go back. I ask you how. A logistical question. Our present reality as such that you can't just go anymore. If you're not a citizen, they won't let you in. If you don't have a blood relative there, and you want to go for a simcha, uh-uh-uh, there's no going. This in the back of our minds, that one day, if the things get really bad for the Jews, obviously, that we'll all go to Eretz Yisrael, this imagination, this thought that we've all had, is no longer true. It's no longer accurate. The fact that we'll just pick up and go to Eretz Yisrael, uh-uh-uh, they're not letting us in anymore. This is a thought that should shake us to our core. This is a thought that should cause us to reevaluate our beliefs, the practicalities, the logistics, our thinking around Eretz Yisrael. We say, if you want to go, if you don't have a passport, if you don't have a passport, three months minimum, three months minimum. A friend of mine who's told me from Farakwa, he's planning Aliyah. He's been waiting, he was planning to leave this summer. So far he's been waiting five months to get passports back. You can't just pick up and go anymore. Hopefully, Amir Tashem, that should change. Amir Tashem, it's only a temporary glitch in the system. But with so many people moving, even my kids, my kids, two of their passports expired in May. We're waiting three months, two and a half months, till we, we, we sent them in right away. You want to go to Archelle? You can't. You don't have pre-World War Germany. Obviously, there are many differences here. I'm not comparing the two. In one specific regard, there's a striking similarity. The striking similarity is the Jews wanted to leave, but they couldn't. You're going to go to Canada? Where are we going to go? Unless you're a Canadian citizen, I know Rabbi Talvis, they'll let him in. Other than that, it's closed. Puerto Rico? Maybe you go there, nice beaches, good weather. Right? Get the best of all worlds. But it's something that we really need to think about. It's something that we need to re really think about. A nefesh benefesh, they're expecting 90,000 olim this year to Eretz Yisrael. 50 of those thousand are going to be from the United States. People are running, which is one of the reasons why everything's delayed. So if you want to go, you can't just go. At the Jewish agency, which is the official agency that handles Aliyah Nefesh Benefesh, is really just an independent agency that helps broker, broker us to Eretz Yisrael and streamline that process. It's all hands on deck. Every office all day long is handling Aliyah is handling going to Eretz Yisrael. On a typical year, I believe there's something around 30, 35,000 olim throughout the world. This year they're expecting 90, 50,000 from the States. That's really exciting because you have 50,000 Americans come, it changes the jobs, it changes the infrastructure, it changes the supports, it changes the economy, it changes the culture. It's really, really, it's really, really exciting times. You know, I discuss Eric Yisrael with many, many people, as the people who know me and my wife in this room know that it's something that we always think about, it's something we always talk about. And I'm shocked and surprised at the array of reactions we get from people of all different things. Eric Yisrael, why would I go there? Go to Lakewood, right? If 
I want the streets closed on Shabbos, there are plenty of places I go. I don't need to go to Israel for that. It's almost as if there's a national denial of the fact of Eretz Yisrael and the times that we're living in. Because if you admit the truth, then you have to act upon it. It forces real-time change in our lives, which is something that it's very difficult to do. And I'm not underestimating that. But again, are we making Eretz Yisrael like a leaf on the tree, an anaf, a branch? Or is it the roots itself? Is it the etzim tree? Is it itself, you know, prior to the, prior to the war, what they used to say, the famous line, I mean, I'm not a historian, but I think they used to say, Yerushalayim's in Berlin, right? Ah, it's here, it's there. I have a yeshiva, I have a rebbe, I don't need to go. Right? I have a yeshiva, I have a rebbe, I have parnassah. What do I need to go for? What do I need to go? And after all, I heard from my rebbe that, you know, it's not the times of Mashiach. It's not, it's not uh, I don't have to go. I have an excuse. I have this, I have that, okay? Right? And Ezra, no one listened to Ezra. And tragically, it prolonged the redemption, and here we are. Had the Jews listened in the times of Ezra, had they heeded the call, then we'd be in a totally, totally different position in life. And obviously, as Rav Schwab writes, it would have, it would have ushered in the, uh, the Messianic era. So again, I'm not, I'm not saying these words to shock anyone or to scare anyone or make anyone nervous about the borders being closed, about the fact that we're, we're not able to go in the way that we would imagine. We say every day, bring us with dignity, bring us with respect, bring us in a way that we're able to plan. Not running and fleeing for our lives. It took the entire public relations of the Jewish community to make the rally they had over here safe. It took the entire public relations of the Jewish community, all hands on deck, to make one safe rally. And even then, we were told, stay in our homes. It's better not to walk out. Unofficial curfew. You never know what's going to happen. Will that happen twice? Will that happen twice? How long and how much do public relations work? And again, I'm not... I'm not saying anyone's coming for us. I'm not saying that chas v'shalom, la'aleinu. But I think, I think we're forced to reevaluate and reconsider and rethink and re-understand the role of Eretz Yisrael in our lives, the role of Eretz Yisrael nowadays, and what it would mean for us to go. Everyone here has a skill set, a skill share that they do. Whether it's a Rebbe, there's a lot of people teaching in Eretz Yisrael, a lot of people learning Torah. More since the history of the Jewish people now learning in yeshivas, right? An electrician, they're an electrician. They're building houses every day. They're going to need you, right? You're a therapist. You could work with people there. Physical therapist, people need physical therapy, right? You know how to run a business? Great. Those skills are transferable. You could do that there. You know how to invest money? You do everything online nowadays. So really, I think the time is begging for us, begging, pleading with everyone that we shouldn't make the same mistakes that they made then in the times of Ezra. That we should rethink, reconsider, and reevaluate. And ultimately, we'll have what the Kinnah ends with, right? That I was saying before, Hashem Yeshuvu Yagon Vanacha.
Say,